podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello. It's episode three of FPL Black Box with Mark and me. How you doing, Mark? How you doing, Az? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It was. Uh, it's good to get the season underway and do our first one, which can, we can actually look back at a, a game week, which should be interesting. We promised to do about an hour, but I, looking ahead of what we've got to cover, <laughs> I just don't think we're going to manage that. So bear with us. Yeah, there's quite a bit to talk about today. And you're in the company of someone ranked 1.2 million in the world and someone ranked 250,000, is it? Is that your rank? Yeah, 293,000. It's really early days. I mean, I'm encouraged by that because last season I thought I started well and I think I was 600,000 in the world after game week one. By game week three, I got up to 35,000 in the world and then it all went very badly wrong <laughs> from there. Um so it's probably one of my best game week ones ever, I think, maybe. Nice. I, ne- I never keep track of this stuff. I really should I really should have done. Maybe I should from now on. I think well we're gonna talk about a bit about our, our game week one. I think we've we I wouldn't say we got lucky, but I think we've been bailed out by a couple of players. In my case, one player, in your case, two players. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, I mean yeah. Well, we'll talk about. We'll look at our teams in a minute. We're going to look back on game week one. We're going to then, obviously, um, well, we're going to talk about Salah because we have to. We're not going to dwell on that too much. But Salah's numbers, we're going to look at them in detail, aren't we? And they're absolutely extraordinary, and probably the main reason why I'm not going ahead with my upside chasing move of Salah to Fernandez. But more yeah, that been later. been that been that right off. Joe was well, talking about that on the scoutcast. It was like. I, I, so, yeah, but so I knew he like basically. I saw him on Twitter saying that Late Riser and their um, FPL Wire podcast had talked him out of it. He was never going to do it anyway, was he? <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, I mean, Luke Luke was on Twitter the other day and he he posted a really good thing about uh, you know sticking to a strategy. Mm. And the whole thing with upside chasing is you get those twenty points, you bank them, and then you look for the next big potential haul. So I think people who have had that strategy and are now not doing it. I agree with Luke. Like it does feel a bit like yep. you've got exactly what you wanted game week one, and now you should be carrying it on. So I'm not completely against it. It's just not for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for not doing it because I did talk about it on Breakfast Club. I did say that, oh yeah, I've got to put my money where the mouth is. But when I look at when we look at Salah's numbers later, you'll see why. We're also going to talk about penalties, aren't we? Because that was the the hot topic of the weekend, and um, a lot of people have covered this and looked into it. We're going to touch on that as well and talk about why there could be more penalties this season. Yep. And then we've got the game week preview. We'll, we'll talk about our transfers and we'll go again with the captaincy. We got the captaincy so right last time. And I, hot off the press, I do have Severt's choice of his captain. This is the guy who got the highest score for his captains in FBL last season. He uh, he helped us go with Salah game week one, and he's got his captain for game week two. It's got to be an easy one this I week. I don't right? think it will surprise many. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is an easy one, I think. And, and we'll look at the evidence as to why that is. Hmm. Shall we look at our game week ones, though? Let's yeah, let's bring let's, your team up. They weren't, they weren't a complete disaster. So, yeah, let's start with mine. Um, talk us through it. Talk us through it. Okay, so for anyone listening who's not watching on YouTube, I have Ryan in goal, uh, Walker Peters. Ben Davies, Alexander-Arnold, 
I had Vinagre, who obviously didn't play, which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, so Bisuma came in for his mighty two points. Salah captain, Aubameyang, Havertz, talk about him in a bit, Pereira, Ings and Werner. And basically, if I hadn't captain Salah, it would have been a complete disaster. Luckily, I did captain Salah. So I ended up with 65 points, which is 15 points more than the average somehow. But apart from him and, uh, you know, a goal from Aubameyang and an assist from Werner, everyone else blanked. So... Yeah, he did plaster over your crack somewhat, didn't he, Salah there? Um... <laughs> I mean, what can we say? I mean, Pereira, I mean, he was your punt, wasn't he? Um, yeah, and I mean, for 20 minutes, I thought West Brom were looking really good. You know, they, they seemed to have good control of midfield. They were, they created a couple of chances. Pereira looked quite lively and then they just lost it completely and just got absolutely taken apart by Leicester. So, you know, it was that game where I thought I might get something from Pereira and, you know, next he's got... Uh, tricky game away Everton who are looking really good and then it's Chelsea so I'm not expecting massive points there and then this fixtures get a bit better so yeah a bit worried about him but I mean the, the main thing is anyone who's looking at my team on the screen might be thinking as your team's very different to the team you last showed on Black Box where's Gabriel this is he got it 15 no. points where's Luca Dean he got 12 points where's Callum Wilson, Wilson. He Callum scored. Wilson. I know I know, I, know. You. I mean we're looking back at that team and I did you know before we came on air and I'm like oh if only and I, know. I did say that we can't really claim that kind of hindsight thing because you know you end up having about 40 50 players mm. in and everyone can claim oh I had him in at one point of course you did but you you know this was just a day before the deadline when you had that team what, what changed your mind <laughs> well what, I mean what what did I say to you on my first one of these I said the first thing I'm going to do write down my team at the start and mm. then you know don't change because I mean last year I had the De Bruyne thing where I got rid of him and that cost me loads of points this year this year it, a similar thing happened I mean basically what happened was it got to Friday night and I started to I started to look ahead a bit more than perhaps I was doing before and I started to think around game week three uh, Chelsea's fixtures West Brom away Crystal Palace at home Southampton at home I thought those are three games I really want to target and with that team structure it would have been quite hard for me to have got in one of the Chelsea midfield so I was thinking Ziyech might be back Pulisic might be firing Havertz might be looking really sharp and I didn't really know how I would have moved my team around to, to get that player bearing in mind I had the Martial plan I've got the De Bruyne plan that kind of thing so in the end the players I took out unfortunately were the ones that <laughs> that all seemed to do well I literally took out those three those three players uh, to free up some cash Owen Ramsdale for Ryan who looked quite poor as we'll talk about a bit later so yeah it was disappointing I mean Havertz the worst part about it was just how poor, poor Havertz was oh shocking, you know it, it was it, you know it, it, I, it, I came into that Chelsea game I was about 30 points down than if I'd had the team uh, that, I, that I talked about uh, so I really wanted to see something positive from Havertz and and nothing was nothing was really coming out of it I mean Gabriel I just you know I think one, one of the lessons we're going to talk about is you know Vinagre is a perfect example I kept Vinagre uh, he he was a bit of a doubt but we thought the risk is probably worth it he doesn't play. I get Basuma coming on and now I've got a, a decision to make about, you know, who to take him out for. It was a similar thing with Gabriel. I was just a bit worried from looking at the team news and things like that. And, and I'll tell you, I just thought he might not start game week one. They got quite an easy game. If Saliba holding and, and um, Tierney look quite good, maybe it'd be two games, then he doesn't play. And then they've got a tough run. And so I went for the safer 
the safer pick. I was a bit worried about Sace as well because, you know, I thought Marcel would take his spot. So out of all the five million options, I've probably picked the worst one. So that was probably the most disappointing thing. Yeah, I mean, there were some dull options in there. And I, I think, like, you know, to be honest, if, if I didn't go with uh, Reese James, if we look at it in a minute, I'd have probably gone with Eric Dyer. So I'd have been in the same boat. Yeah. I just I just went with my hunch with James. And I, I'd speak with Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, he, I, thought he was, I thought he was nailed on, Gabriel. I really did. So mm. if you'd have said to me, oh, would you think he is? I would have, I would have said as much. But yeah, we did I talk mean, did... about him on the show, didn't we? But it's it's hindsight and you can't, you know, we can't. Did you, did you know that he um, he hadn't played a competitive game since March? No, I didn't. Because I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was coming into it Having played some games for the French, no. they started earlier, didn't they? But no, he hadn't played. He hadn't played a game since March. Wow! And I saw. I saw that, and I thought, oh. And then you obviously know the one in the Community Shield. Uh, I think Salah had started a pre-season game, and it 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 just felt a bit too a bit too risky. But you know, this is it. This is this is a good example, isn't it? Sometimes you risk it. Like you know, I went with Vanagra because I thought four point five million. It's worth the risk. I've got to take a minus four to take him out. It's not the end of the world. It was worth it to to potentially have a a, a Wolves defender in. I think um, for that price. But yeah, didn't 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 go with two players. If I'd gone for Gabriel and a other four point five, it would have been slim margins, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Havertz was a, a close call for me as well because I, as you'll see in a minute, I I went with Pulisic, but. I was like, mm, shall I go with the player who's certain to start? But I don't hardly know anything of him at all. Mm. And obviously, I've seen some footage and I've watched him on YouTube and stuff. You know, which is to be honest, to be honest, like my team, not in the forest, used to sign players by YouTube videos. So I mean, to be honest, I can sign a fancy <laughs> player by it. But I just didn't know enough, and I, I thought, no, I'll stick with Pulisic and hope that he's going to be on the bench and comes on because you know I know when he comes on, he can really. He can do bits, kind of, you know, in 10, 20 minutes, he can do do enough. And Brighton, I thought, was a good fixture. But, of course, he didn't come on. But having watched the game, I, I, even though Pulisic didn't turn up, I was actually pleased because... Yeah, I know. I thought Havertz, one of the most disappointing debuts I've ever seen, witnessed in the Premier League. I mean... 100%. Yeah, there's the, the, mo- the most disappointing one. I mean, you know, he, his best moment was making that, that run, you know, where he, he covered, like, half the pitch to try and get mm. a tackle back. And then he was knackered and got subbed off a couple of minutes yeah, later. And, I mean, he did that having lost the ball. I know, yeah, exactly. And I mean, his problem, the problem with him was, I think you pointed out, was that he just didn't seem to want it. He just didn't seem to want the ball. He always looked, he looked a bit like me when I play yeah. like 11 aside and, and I'm not quite, you know, not quite, <laughs> not quite good enough to play with, with some of the players I play with. And I'm like, well, don't give me the ball. He's going to lose. He looked like that, but yeah. obviously he cost, you know, 70, 80 million. So you wouldn't kind of expect it. That's so yeah, it thought. was... It and was I, disappointing. And I thought they weren't getting, giving the ball to him. They weren't looking for him. It was no. almost like they were going like, oh, don't give it to Havertz. He's either, you know, he's injured or he's not with it or whatever. I was yeah. like, what was going on? It was a really odd kind of performance. And he didn't take him off on the hour mark. He left him on, I think, to 80 minutes. Mm. Um, I guess he was hoping he would settle down and do, you know, do something to kind of win the fans over. But he, he really didn't offer much at all. And obviously we're being harsh on him. He's only been there, what, 10 days? Less than that, maybe. So... But he's not the only player in that kind of situation. Um, you know, I think there have been new signings settling in with their clubs who would make their debuts who, who hadn't been their teammates long as well. But mm. it's just the money involved, isn't it? it, it well, the, the issue as well is, you know, put, shifted down to the wing like that. Yeah. I know he's play, he has played some games, but that kind of, 
you know, I think I was talking to Simon was talking about him, that kind of lanky kind of Di Maria type physique. The wing seems a, a, an odd place for them. Like where mm. Rob um, Loftus-Cheek was playing seems seemed yeah. to be the perfect place for him. And he had a terrible game. So yeah. the hope is that Havertz, you know, switches with him and they stick someone else on the right. Well, he could have played him there and he could have played Hudson-Odoi out wide, but he chose not yeah, to. Strange selection. Um, but let's yeah. look at my team anyway, because in there, you know, there is the Pulisic situation. So I, want to, team, I want to talk to you. Yeah. I want to berate you about that one. Yeah, here we go. Then my <laughs> team for those listening is McCarthy, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Reese James, Luke Aylin, Sam Maximan, Suchek, Aubameyang, Salah, Adams and Werner. Um, Vinagra as well, didn't, I did start but didn't turn up obviously. And Pulisic I did start and didn't turn up so Aylin came in um, for him. So yeah, I mean it was a gamble wasn't it? Again, I thought my gamble was Reese James really. I really mm. thought that Pulisic would be on the bench. And when he wasn't named on the bench, I think I said to you, I didn't, I don't like that. I mean, there was, you know, I didn't automatically think he was still injured because Lampard has said he was fully fit. There's pictures mm. of him doing bicycle kicks in training or whatever, scissor kicks or whatever. So it, it, you know, it struck me that he wouldn't risk starting him, but he would have him on the bench and save him for Liverpool. Mm. But that wasn't the case. And then obviously post-match, he confirmed that Pulisic has taken some steps back. Um, but go on, they'll it's, have a go at me. Go on. Well, not go. It's, it's just funny that um, both of us, you know, on our first episode, we're talking about some of the mistakes we made. Your your biggest one was was Martial. You know, the injury with Martial, keeping on to him for ages and, and not moving him on. Then you've started the season with a potentially injured player. My biggest thing was not moving my team around too much when I've decided on something, and I do that. And you know, this is this is the thing with you know for people who are slating uh, hindsight and and the black box approach. This is a perfect example of two two things that have happened that have cost us points game week one. Yeah, I mean, in my defence, Lampard did say he was fit. It wasn't it wasn't yellow flagged like Martial. That's what Solskjaer. Was. Yeah, true. So yeah. I mean, the Martial situation was I bought him not realising he'd come off with an injury so that was the first mistake and then the next mistake and the one after it for the next six game weeks was believing Solskjaer when he said that he would be coming back or he seemed okay like you're going to do with Pulisic for the next five weeks but that's it I, that, so I am <laughs> going to show that I've learned my lesson by <laughs> by actually getting Pulisic out because even if I, I mean I, I expect I mean I'm I'm going to make my transfer tonight I think um, before Friday so before Chelsea's press conference which is risky because Lampard could turn up on Friday and say, "Yeah, Pulisic is fine. He's going to be. He's going to figure on Sunday." But he won't, will he? Because he he knows that Pulisic is a key player. Mm. So even if he knows that Pulisic is fit to start, he will give an element of doubt because yeah. that's what he want Liverpool to have. That's what they do, isn't it? Yeah, because obviously it's a, you know Pulisic against Alexander Arnold is actually quite a key battle, and if um, he's not going to give. Klopp and advantage by going, yeah, absolutely, he's going to figure on, on Sunday, is he? He's not going to do that. So I know I'm probably going to hear tomorrow a kind of vague kind of description <laughs> of Pulisic's situation regardless. Or I might hear, yeah, Pulisic is out for sure and he could be out for a number of weeks. don't know. So I think I have to move him out. I'm not going to make the Martial error. So that I am, there you go. I'm going to learn you, from okay, it. Okay, good, yeah. But, you know, we'll see when we look at our lessons learned in a bit that maybe I shouldn't have gone with him in the first place. But Reese James, come on. If I hadn't got Pulisic, Reece James is, I would is... not have had the 0.5 to get Reese James because I was I had Sun and I took Sun out. Yeah. Went down to 8.5, gave me an extra 0.5 in defence. I got a 5 million defender and I chose the right one. 
Bingo. I, I, I just, I, I couldn't, when, when I saw, when I heard you, even the Breakfast Club talking about him, and I was like, mm. Reese James, really? I was like, he's so at risk from like losing his place to Azpilicueta. Yeah. They've got two like fairly tough games coming up in Brighton and Liverpool before they get decent. I just thought, no, nah, I'm just not feeling that that at all. And this is why people want to listen to you again, Mark. Yeah, it, when he's smashed his first goal, his I first know. senior well, goal, and he's I on know. corners for some I know, reason. I know, I <laughs> know. Well, I knew a bit of that. I mean, I knew he was going to get forward. I, I, know, I watched him last season because some of my rivals had him, and I was like, oh, I covered him. He looks good in matches, but he wasn't. He didn't really deliver. There was mm. no one to finish off the crosses. I mean, we haven't even seen him. Didn't really see him get forward that much and put crosses in. He did a few, but he's got more of that in his locker. He takes up very central, like, positions isn't he? Like, well, he he can play central midfield and yeah some people think that could be his position yeah. but but yeah i mean the thing is with james was i talked myself into it the night before on friday and so when it got to saturday I, I was like i've got to go for it and the way i felt was you know when you have a hunch and you think if it's such a strong hunch that if i don't go with it and it does deliver i wouldn't be able to forgive myself and i, and I was thinking well, i don't want that i don't want that after one week Pereira. yeah well yeah yeah, yes, it's exactly. the same. I have them every year. <laughs> Sometimes it feels. This is this. To be fair, that kind of hunch though is the reason why I like playing fantasy football so much. Because hmm. when that when that hunch comes off, like Antonio did last season, or Pascal Grossman a few years ago, or Reese James for you, that to me that's the best feeling in 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 playing the game is that you know some someone that you've had a feeling about has delivered and. I mean, not that many. I mean, what's his ownership? It can't be that high. I, I don't know. I didn't even look at that. I, mean, I didn't even think about the ownership. I knew he was in a few teams. I mean, I know some good managers have picked him, so I'm not alone. He's 8.1 now. Is he? I mean, the thing is, as I said to you, it's like we're not going to be robots this season. Although we're going to have, you know, we're going to we're going to try and learn as we go. We're going to, you know, log our mistakes and so on. But we are going to, you know, use our gut as well. And it's hmm. it's it's achieving that balance between. Being happy with the transfers and the players you're targeting through data or through the eye test, but also every now and then just going, no, actually, I've just got a feeling about this guy. Um, and and Reese James had the eye test behind him from last season. He had the data from last season. His stats were strong when he played. So it wasn't just a hunch, but I just, yeah, I I, I thought with Aspicoletta, oh, I, can't, I can't say Aspicoletta. I can't. I, I'm out of practice. It's so weird because I haven't done these for a few years. I can't say some players' names. I've completely forgotten how to say them. Um, but Dave, yeah, I, I knew that he wouldn't be risked because he'd be safe for, for Liverpool because I think he's going to start a left-back with Alonso dropped, I imagine. They're not going to play Alonso up against Salah, surely. Um, so no. so he Dave would... I knew he wouldn't start at Brighton. So I thought James had a good, very good chance of starting. And I just thought he's starting. He'll want to cement that start. But I couldn't have. I mean, it's luck that he delivered his first goal. Of course. Amazing return. for. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, you know, it, it, it was the kind of the week of, of the defenders and Salah, wasn't it? Mm. Because, I mean, so many of the kind of template team on Twitter blanked. You know, Suchek, Maximan, Ings, Adams... Uh, you know, a whole host of, of names, Son, you know, the list goes on. Uh, but then you look at defence and actually some the biggest scores. I mean, Sace could have had two or three goals in that game. It's, it was just absolutely ridiculous watching him head chance after chance and barely miss the post and, and things. And then obviously Dean, James, Robertson got an assist. Uh, yeah, defenders defenders are in favour at the moment. Yeah, and it's influencing my thinking for this this week's transfers as well. Um, yeah, it, it was it was penalties and and defenders. penalties and defenders. Yeah, and I did have size 
you believe me when I say that, but I'm not allowed to say, of course, of course I had saves. At one point, everyone did. Um, let's look at the Great and the Good League just briefly, because this is the league that Greyhead runs on Fancy Football Scout. Um, it's a select few managers, and he's kept me and Az in that league kindly for this season, although, you, could, you know, based on last season, you'd argue that I certainly don't deserve that place. But <laughs> it's just a way of us tracking what some of the top managers are up to there. Um, and as you can see, like, considering you captain Sally, you still didn't finish that high on the game week. So you can see how the other players let you down. Well, I mean, this, this is it. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be a lot more positive if I'd got 65 points having captain the Bamiang and some of my other players had yeah. chipped in with, you know, a, a couple of things. I mean, when you've got three players that deliver and they're all three players that you'd expect to deliver in Werner, Bamiang, Seller, you think, hmm, maybe there's not something quite right with my, my team. So I'm trying, there's a lot of panic at the moment. There's a lot of really panic. No, no, I'm, I'm trying not to panic, but there's a lot of panic. You know, wild cards. So many oh, people yeah. are, are playing yeah. wild cards, and you know, minus eights from seeing and things like that. So, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying not to not to panic because I mean, I do. I do think, like you say, I do think the Salah captaincy definitely glosses over what could have been a a pretty nightmarish start. I would have been about you know in the what, probably in the 30s or something if I'd gone for Bamiang. Yeah, but I mean, look at Late Riser, great manager. Didn't mm. even have Salah, so he he's got the bigger problem. Um, I didn't realise that late riser gone Werner captain though. That was uh, yeah, magic from the start. Surprising, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he does this week. I know that he's he's spoken on FBLY about getting Salah in eventually, but he's not getting him yet, and and he's toying with uh, Fernandez for captain. So we'll have to we'll track this as we go week by week and see how we're doing and talk about some of the managers in that league as well. Um, but let's look at some team stats from. The first game week because so there's a few here I want to I want to talk about and bring out. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah, let's look at um, Everton and West Ham, two teams that one impressed, one didn't impress. Um, but why they're key is like Suchek for West Ham, um, obviously a very very popular player going into the game week. And here you see I've highlighted open play crosses. Um, West Ham had 23 open play crosses, and only Sheffield United put in more. So the thing I've, I'm gleaning from that is that even though West Ham were miserable, Suchet didn't do anything. He did threaten. And it's, there's clear strategy that when they get the ball out wide, or get the ball out wide and get crosses in. And that was evident for the match. 23 mm. fired over from fullbacks and so on. And Suchet did nearly get his, himself on the end of one. So I, I do think that even though West Ham were bad and their fixtures are awful, I do think you know Suchet owners should still keep the faith. And the, He's you know, a clever player, isn't he? Because his timing of his runs... Uh... A, a, a good, a really good. It's how he gets his his goals. So that's that's why the crosses are are good for him because you expect him to make the run and get on the end of it if they can. You know they're obviously practicing them and training that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean I wouldn't be expecting too much. I I cannot believe West Ham's run of fixtures. It's, it's like a, it's ridiculous. like a joke. <laughs> so that is a it's a bad a bad. I mean when Moyes saw those fixtures, he must have just had his head in his hands because. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you want good fixtures, don't you, to start a season and, and try and get off to a good run. I mean, you know, if Everton can, Everton have got a great run of games now. If they can, you know, get some wins on the board and get some points, when the when the tougher fixtures start, they're going to be in a great place. Oh, absolutely. And I highlighted them open play crosses. So when I watched the Spurs game against Everton, even though Everton were really impressive in midfield, I was thinking, because Calvert-Lewin is a player I was looking at, they hardly got any crosses in. When I saw the numbers, mm. I was like, there you go. So... 
you know, only West Brom put in fewer open yeah. play crosses. So, I'm, I, you know, I was tempted by Cavalton, but when I saw that match and I saw the stats, I just thought, even though Cavalton got the goal from a fantastic cross, you know, from Dina set, play, set piece, I just think from open play, he didn't get any service. It was no. And when you think about it, you've got Hammers on one side and Richarlison on the other. Neither of them are wingers, are they? I mean, Hammers was outstanding, of course, but he was kind of come inside. He's going to come inside. He's going to knit play from a, a more central position. Richarlison is always trying to get in the box. He's not a winger by any means. So where where's the service going to come from? I presume it's going to come from Coleman and Dina. But in an away match at Spurs, there wasn't much of that. Well, maybe, I think... maybe at home there will be. Yeah, I mean, Dean Dean was pretty restricted by Doherty, just mm. bombing forward at every opportunity. So it was one of the more, much more reserved games I've seen from him because he wasn't looking to to get that advance. He was staying back. And I mean, the set piece he took was, was even that was from quite deep. Yeah. Got, stole a couple of cheeky yards, which Mourinho wasn't too happy about. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you know, if watching that match, that could easily have just been a, a six-point um, game for Dean. It was such a good, free kick though and is I think what's what's key with that is it shows that it's not just Rodriguez bossing everything like I thought maybe it would be like he could have come and just taken every set please and every you know every corner everything but Dean is still getting them so I think he he is he is a really really strong option I think yeah I, I think that's important to note that you know um Hamas didn't take everything um but he was he was very impressive but I said mm. I think Cavaloon will struggle for service from wide areas unless the fullbacks get forward so Coleman and Dean might be really good options from open play crosses, but we just didn't see it at Spurs. Um, so that, so that's that. The other thing I, I wanted to highlight, I mean, I did say, didn't I? I did warn you about Mitrovic. I mean, you didn't go Mitrovic at the end, but Fulham's attacking output against Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal's defence has improved, but there you see it. One shot in the box, three touches in the box. I mean, Unbelievable. That is extraordinary, isn't it, for a home match? Where should we see Salah's numbers? And just see how, just how, bad, yeah. how bad that is. Yeah, I mean they did. They just didn't offer anything, did they? I mean the Leeds Leeds were were so good in comparison to both West Bromans and Fulham. Mm. Like they they don't look like three teams that you know Leeds already look like they're gonna cope really well with with the Premier League. You know if they can if they put in that kind of effort into every game, they they match Liverpool. They were so unlucky not to come away from that game with you know less than a well, you know less than a point. So. God, yeah. I mean, West Brom just don't have any... They just don't have a striker, do they? No. Like, I think this is the problem. And I mean, you know, Pereira can be the greatest player on earth when, you, when you're when you trying to create things for, for Charlie Austin, who doesn't seem to have any pace in him at all, and Robson Canoe, who, I mean, he's a legend, but I wouldn't want him... He's, he's dining off that goal, isn't he? But he I mean, really Cal- is. Callum Robertson started the game up front, but, you know, we saw him last year for Sheffield United. He's not really an out-and-out striker either. So... They're really struggling there. They're, they've got to mm. get somebody in. Until they do, like, I don't think Pereira's really going to come alive. I, he, you know, I, he is a good player, and so is Mitrovic. But I don't know how much service Mitrovic is going to get, and I don't know how much you know who's on the end of Pereira's service for West Brom. That's the problem. Um, XGC, I mean, lots made of Liverpool's defence, but expected goals conceded, even though they conceded three goals to Leeds, their expected goals conceded was low, and that shows you how good the Leeds finishing was. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the, I mean, obviously there was errors. Van Dijk, what was he doing? I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Is he just lackadaisical? Is that arrogance? I don't know. But, you know, Bamford punished him. But Leeds finishing was first rate, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. I mean, this this is the problem. You know, it it bodes well for Liverpool uh, in, in the sense that they can play 
badly with individual errors and you know you know gift gift so many chances and still come away from that with a win because they wouldn't have done that definitely wouldn't have done that a couple of years ago but I, I do think if if Leeds if Leeds can I mean Eiling was was great in that game uh you know it's just so it's it just got so much energy isn't he just and by both the fullbacks Dallas as well was really impressed with got an assist in that game as well I think that I think the Leeds fullbacks are going to be good good value this year. Yeah, I'm pleased I've got Ireland. I mean, I, yeah. I only went for him because he's the most secure. He's, he's the captain, but I was really impressed with him for uh, in that match. He, he defended really well. Lots of energy, like you say, got forward when he needed to. I don't know. I don't know how many assists that he's going to get me, but he's a rock solid defender. And I think mm. Leeds will keep clean sheets just for the intensity of their play. They're going to get they're going to get clean sheets. I think the first one could be against Fulham based on what we saw and what, yeah, and what these numbers say here. And then just finally, expected goals from open play. Look who's top there, Newcastle. Your man, yeah. Wilson, who you, you did snub at the last. Shunned, yeah. They, they created the most from open play. And, I mean, that's quite a surprise, isn't it? I mean, I had St Maximin in the game and he flat to deceive, didn't he? I mean, you predicted that though, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that so many people went for... He was, in, he was honestly in almost every team I, I saw and... He's he's a great he's one of those players who who looks great. He gets fouled a lot, a bit like Zaha in in a way, but never really quite does it from a fantasy perspective. I don't I just don't think he's he's going to really hit the heights uh, this season. I mean Fraser and Wilson, you know Fraser scored in the Carabao Cup the other day. Mm. He can link up with Wilson again. I think they're they're, they're the two to go for. I, I I think I'd pay the point five extra for Fraser when. It turns, but yeah, Will, I mean, Wilson's just a—he's a—he's a Premier League quality striker, isn't he? He's a great signing for Newcastle. He's going to put chances away when he gets them. I mean, I think you know that stat for Newcastle being top of the XG open play probably won't happen for a while again. Uh, I think it says more about West Ham. And look who they've got next. Yeah, well, that's what we'll touch on at the end. But is it more about West Ham? We'll have to see. Because Newcastle got Brighton at home next. I, I'm hoping so. Maxman does something for me there, but mm. he, he is. Definitely on a tightrope for me. You know, where I've got other fires to put out, but as soon as, as soon as I've got a spare transfer, it's going to be yeah. him going. I think, and luckily, I think there's going to be some options by then, around the five, five, six million mark, like you say. So mm. not too bad. The other thing I've highlighted there for open play expected goals: Chelsea fall from bottom on 0.37 from open play. Obviously, Reese James was a worldie. Um, Zuma's goal was a set piece. So from open play, they didn't really create too no. much. And that's a no. worry, isn't it? Well, I think again, I think it says about the opposition. I think no, not not just bias, but I think Brighton played played really well. I mean, Lamptey was playing like a man mm. possessed. Uh, now, for anyone who's looking for a four point five defender based on that performance, I'd say get him in because he's just so, he's playing so advanced and just always looking to make things happen. And they were lo- you know looking down that right side to find him as as much as they could. Uh, it's a shame that you know it was um, Jose who gave the ball away and Chelsea scored from that because then after then it I mean we got back into the game and still looked quite good but it's a stupid error to I mean that, that's that's the thing with Brighton is it's the re, we, we look really really solid and we play really well for long periods but we've always got mistakes it's very predictable you know, that match yeah we were chatting on WhatsApp and you were like you know it's gonna happen this is it's, gonna, it's gonna be yeah we're playing too well we played yeah. too well I, I, I swear it kind of overconfident I, I don't know what happens but it's it, it was a story of our season last year I mean we dropped so many points from games where we should have should have won so you know I think that does bode well for teams playing Brighton especially when they've got I think you know someone like Callum Wilson like Vernon like a quick striker you know who reads the game so well and can capitalize on on things they're they're good options when they play Brighton I think 
It was funny as well because Luke was saying, "Yeah, well, Lamptey's brilliant. Why, why did Chelsea let him go? Well, yeah, he's better than Reece James, isn't he?" And then he was he was going going through this, and then Reece James banged that goal in, and I was like, "Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Lamptey ain't doing that." Yeah, exactly. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what Lamptey probably can't do. Um, so you, yeah, you can see why Chelsea let him go, I guess. But he is going to be a player, no doubt. But Brighton have got a bargain there. For well, I'm, I'm 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 telling you, we will sell him for thirty, forty million. You know, if Wamba Saka can go for fifty million, there's absolutely no reason why Lampard can't sell for thirty, forty million. Might well, thirty, yeah, forty million we'll minimum. Minimum. He's really? gonna. He's gonna be. Yeah. He's he's gonna go right to the top. He's he's absolutely brilliant. Every match I've seen him play, he's he's good. He, he plays well, and that was definitely his best performance mm-hmm. so far. Okay. Well, encouraging. Talking to players who had a good performance, let's let's talk about Salah because. It's quite extraordinary. I mean, obviously, like, there was a lot of there was a lot of noise about luck of the two penalties, and Vardy had the same as well. But Salah came first, and he, he got the two spot kicks. Um, one after was it four minutes, and you know he, he immediately off the mark. Aubameyang had got the uh, the goal at Fulham, and I watched that match and thought, oh, okay, one goal. That's kind of what I expected him to return and Arsenal to do. Salah, I was like, well, this could go either way. We said, didn't we? We said it could. You know, if there's yeah. going to be a hat trick, it will go to Salah. But equally. If he plays as he has done in lockdown and in the community shield, it would be it would be a blank maybe or an assist at best. But then it unbelievable performance. And not just the goals though, because mm. just all round performance and sharpness was outstanding, wasn't it? it yeah, he, he was he was great. I mean it was it was funny. It kind of I don't think we'll ever have a, a, a kind of a thing like this again where we where we kind of predicted we kind of thought Arsenal would you know, maybe struggle a bit more against Fulham than than Liverpool would against Leeds. Thought that could be quite an open game, and mm. it was. I can't, I can't remember watching a more open game ever than that. It was just relentless, like the, the attacks from both sides. Amazing game to, you know, to kind of start the season with. Uh, but yeah, he he, you know, I I would be, I would, I wouldn't. If I captained Aubameyang, I'd be annoyed. If I'd gone for Mane over Salah, I would have been absolutely livid because he didn't didn't look on it at all and Salah was just I mean he got what he deserved in terms of points Salah but not in the way that you I mean the two penalties you can always say there's a bit of luck there but his performance in that match deserved 20 points I yeah think. well this is it I mean for, so t- for touches he had 88 touches which is the most he's ever had in a Liverpool shirt um you know and he's had some amazing yeah. games right so yeah. touches in the penalty 21 the most he's ever had in a Liverpool shirt um Passes made at eight forty-six. Dribbles attempted the fifteen. Again, the second highest total he's ever had in a Liverpool shirt. Yeah. Shots nine, the most he's ever had playing for Liverpool. Shots in the box four, the most he's ever had. Joint most he's ever had playing for Liverpool. I mean, I look back at all his data since he arrived at Anfield, and so those numbers were the highest he's had whilst playing for Liverpool. So you can say <laughs> there was fortune with the penalties, mm. and you can say. And the other thing is, people are saying, well, that's Leeds, the way they played. Well, Mane's numbers weren't the best he's ever had. They yeah. weren't anywhere near the best. So why did Salah clock up the kind of his personal best for Liverpool? And Mane was nowhere near that. But what's really interesting is that on, on that, I don't know if you've got his um, his XG on there, but his his, his XG, uh, you know, I, XG, I'm still not entirely sure no. what I base all my decisions around XG, but it, it when I was considering Mane v Salah, you know, um, before before this game week, I looked at the numbers. and I mean, Salah's stats just absolutely obliterated Mane. But then when it came to actually, like, clear-cut chances, they were pretty similar. 
And actually, I, I, I saw that Salas XG and, and that kind of clear-cut chance was quite low, even with all these... Yeah, it was about 0.34 or something like that, yeah. So does that does that tell you that he's got something mad coming? If he can get that, if he can, you know, if he can turn that round and, and, and get better chances, or is it going to carry on like it is and he's going to... It's a weird, it's a weird system because his stats are so good, but like it's almost like his his output isn't matching how good it should be based on those stats, you know? Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, we 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 kind of felt that his best was behind him in the Premier League, but these numbers suggest otherwise. The, the and uh, and the thing is, had he got average numbers in that match and he and he played all right, but he didn't really show up, but he got the two penalties and that's what got him through. I probably would have sold him for Fernandez. Mm. But because he looked so sharp, so on it, and he wanted the ball and he got the ball as well. Mm. Um it was a strange match though, because yeah, Alexander Arnold got I had a look, he got twenty he received twenty nine passes and his average per match last season was sixty passes received. Yeah. He did well he didn't look right. No. So it was, and that's the same side of the pitch as Salah. So maybe that was the reason why Salah got these numbers. Mm. So we're not going to know yet, but all I can say is I don't think I can sell Salah off the back of those numbers just in case these numbers indicate he's about to have an incredible season. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know. Nobody knows. I mean, I'll give it another couple of games. He'll probably settle back to the norm. He'll have, he's got three away games in four. We'll probably see him drift back to what he was before or even worse. But, we can't make that assumption because too many people, I think, assumed he was out of form or there was something wrong and then didn't have him or didn't captain him and look what happened. So I yeah. can't assume that he's going to drop back to his average or even worse yet until we see him at Chelsea and, and the other away games that follow. I mean, you know, people people like different stats and, and, and using different things and you know, things like the heat maps can be really helpful to see how advanced players are playing. But the stats I really like are touches in the penalty area and uh, shots in the box. So they're, they're the two that, to me, tell me how threatening a player is. And when Salah's numbers are that, that high, it's perfect, it's perfect player. Because it, it, it's like when, when we come to talking about captains in a bit, if we're struggling over which captains to pick you can go for him because you know he's gonna he's gonna be dangerous as long as he's putting those numbers out mm. he's gonna he's gonna have a couple of chances at least that's why he's such a reliable pick yeah and, and the thing is you're playing against Chelsea and you've got to look at Kepa in goal um, and I had a look it's, it's funny because I had a look at expected goals um, prevented for goalkeepers um, and two things from that, Henderson's was he was rank, ranked second in the Premier League last year. I think he, I think he stopped eight point three expected goals. And Lloris mm. was top, um, but in that, right at the bottom, yes, minus Kepa. twelve is Kepa, oh, who actually conceded therefore twelve more goals than he was expected to. Um, which, so, I mean, like Lampard spoke after the match about him being happy with Kepa. He can't. I mean. He's a, his analysts would be telling him, "Look at that data for a start." But you, you know, he's letting. Well, look at the Brighton game. Shooting. Look at the yeah, Brighton game. Exactly. He, he should have done. He should have done better with with yeah. shot. Yeah, I mean, any honestly, any 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 player I think playing Chelsea has chances. I mean, I've got Pereira, um, you know, in, at home against Chelsea in a few weeks, and if they had a better striker, <laughs> I'd probably be be better. But Pereira does like a long shot, so he does. He, he, he can does. he can be beaten by long shots. Yeah, and, and Salah will know that, of course, and he'll be yeah. trying to turn Dave or Alonso in and cut inside and put curling shots. He's going to have, you know, he had his most shots ever in a Liverpool shirt against Leeds. He's going to be shooting a lot against Chelsea if he gets opportunities, but yeah, we'll see. We'll a, see play, a player I'm seeing sold a lot on, on wildcards and things is Trent off the back of that performance. 
And I mean, Trent scored two free kicks, I believe, against Chelsea last season in two matches. I wouldn't back on him not scoring a <laughs> scoring a free kick against him again this no, week. I mean, even like you take him and Robertson taking corners, he did give up a few to Robertson against Leeds. But I want, I reckon, from a corner, Liverpool are going to cause Chelsea problems because Chelsea mm. were awful on set pieces. I mean, they didn't look safe against Brighton. So I think there's a, at least a couple of goals in that match for Liverpool. It's got, it's going to have to be high scoring because Chelsea are going to need to get at least a couple to stay in it. I think. Just, yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. I don't and think I mean, it's you... a nil nil. No, oh, definitely. There's, there's no way. There's, there's no way. Famous last words, but yeah, I, I can't see it. But yeah, I mean, because I, I was debating before this game week because I, I want to get KDB in. Either, either for the Leicester match next week or, or definitely the week after versus Leeds, especially based on what I saw of them. Mm. Not, they're not afraid to go at, to go at the big teams. Uh, and, you know, I was debating, well, Aubameyang could be a season keeper. Maybe I'll keep him or, or Salah if he doesn't look so sharp. But, yeah, I, I, I can't sell Salah after that. And, I, you know, I, I think he will drop off. I, I can't, you know, he's not going to maintain those kind of numbers. And I think I wouldn't be surprised in a few weeks he's gone back to the norm and then I'm thinking about selling him. But we'll see. And maybe not. But I can't, I can't do it off the back of that. I just can't. Regardless. It's a brave, it's a brave manager who sells him for Fernandez. I think. Yeah, he has, and and Sivert actually has done just that. He, he's, um, he's the guy, as I said earlier, at the top of the show, who's got the highest captains wow. from last season. I asked him who he's going to captain this week, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, he, he said he was thinking about Fernandez, and I said, "How did you get him in?" He went, "Oh, I sold Salah." And I was like, "Whoa, okay." Whoa. <laughs> He, he knows. I mean, he knows knows the risk, but the upside of that could be enormous for him. If Salah goes back to what he was doing in lockdown and disappoints, and he's mm. got hard fixtures and he's away from home and away, he doesn't really do it. He only got four goals, I think, last season away from home. So it kind of makes sense, but you still got to have guts to do it. And yeah. if it pays off, he deserves what he gets because that is a very brave decision. So Salah's penalties. Let's talk about penalties because it was a hot topic. Um, and what's interesting, I listened to the Who Got the Assist um, podcast this week, one of about 20 podcasts I take in these days. It's, it's just getting content from every angle <laughs> I can. And they had a really good uh, focus piece on penalties. So listen to that if you're if you're interested in, in penalties and, and what it means to your FL team. I can recommend that podcast. Um, and basically, there's a, there's been a change in, in the kind of the Premier League, not in the Premier League ruling as such, but FIFA apparently have, have got onto the Premier League and said they've got a be more strict on defensive handballs and if there is a deflection before a handball but that defensive player he's trying to make his body bigger trying to block the the shot or the pass then it should be a penalty and apparently that you know that changed I think summer 2019 and so this season you know people like I think it's Dale Johnson on ESPN are predicting we're going to get more penalties he, mm. he actually says many more penalties uh, and the stats we've got here show that in 2016-17, there was 106. That's the highest, I think, in Premier League history. And on Who Got the Assists podcast, they were looking at bookies' odds for penalties. And they were saying that they think there's going to be an, around 12 to 15 more penalties. And, he's, and they think that the minimum is going to be 106. And it's going to go to about 115, maybe more. So <laughs> what do you make of that? Given that we had, I think, five at the weekend straight away, and obviously already it's it's turned FBL upside down with Vardy and Salah. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one at the weekend, wasn't there, where, where it, one of the penalties was that, wasn't it? Didn't it hit the ball and hit yeah, it was arm? Salah's. It was Salah's. Yeah, Salah's. Yeah, yeah that's it. And th- I think there was another one which could, which I thought might be given, but he they did deem that his hands were down. So there was, you know, it could have been two off the bat. I mean, they the thing is they said that they were going to be like. Uh, 
a, a massive increase in penalties last season because of VAR coming in and there wasn't. Yeah. And now they've brought in the, um, you know, now the ref can actually go and, and see the, the pitch side monitor. I think that's going to reduce that number a bit. So maybe that will kind of balance it out a little bit. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's so hard to, it's so hard to predict. I mean, the, the thing is, is that, you know, you get, you get your penalty takers in because you, because it's just it's just an easy source of points. And you look at Vardy, for example. I mean, he his XG was zero, wasn't it? Yeah, Outside he, had of no, he had no touches in the box other than the penalties. No. What, like Incredible. one of the most unthreatening displays you could see, and yet comes away with two goals. It was Havertz like, um, wasn't it? Basically, yeah, Havertz exactly. Yeah. So you know that that is that is what you get. You, you gain that chance, even when your players not performing very well. You still get that chance for them for them to score. So obviously, having a penalty taker in your team is is, is a good thing to have. Um, I mean, and you look at a team like United and Fernandez gets a lot of penalties. United get a lot of penalties and people get fed up with it. But that is United's style of play. They play with three incredibly fast players up front who invite tackles and invite penalties. So it's no surprise that they're the team that gets the most penalties because their whole game is built around that kind of thing. So having the penalty taker in for United... They, they will get penalties throughout the season. So he will get you a steady stream. Yeah, of, I mean, 14 points. last year, 12 the year before that, they were top yeah. in the Premier League for those two seasons. The, 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 the number of penalties did go down last season from 103 in 2018-19 down to 92 last season. So even though VAR was there, the number of penalties did go down. Yeah. So maybe the estimate of you know, 110, 112 that was mentioned on the Who Got the Assist podcast is a bit much. But even so, we have got to think about penalty takers. I mean, I, th- I don't think that's new, though. I don't, I, you know, we we do. I mean, I knew not having Vardy at West Brom. And Vardy, we talk about disappointing stats, but he, we know, one of the, we talk about player signatures. His signature is ignore the data. He can deliver. Don't worry about opta stats with Vardy. We know that he can, he, like Aubameyang, he, he denies those. He, he always delivers regardless of stats. Um, so... I knew when I didn't have Vardy, he was a risk because I thought West Brom are going to score there. And, you know, what's Vardy's involvement in their goals? 40, 50 percent. So yeah. it's like buying, you know, if you're if there's 100 lottery tickets and you've got 50 percent of them, there's a good chance you're going to win. That's not luck. That's because no. you you went and invested in Vardy. So, yeah, it, and they got three goals and he got two of them. I mean, Harvey Barnes was fantastic in that game and came out with nothing. So I think if I owned Barnes, mm. I'd be a bit frustrated. But Vardy owners delighted and... You can't deny them that, even though the stats say he didn't really figure in the match very much. He's a penalty taker in a match where Leicester were likely to score goals. So there's, yeah. there's not and, really there. And, you know, it's, you know, we talked last week about captaining um, players against the bottom teams. And it's another reason why if you're captaining a penalty taker against the bottom teams, they are more likely to get penalties because yeah. they're playing against defenders who are worse than playing. You know, if you've got a player playing Chelsea and a player playing West Brom, you're more likely to get a penalty in the match against West Brom because they're going to be rasher. They're not. They're not as experienced. There's. There's loads of reasons why. So, yeah, penalty. I mean, you know, we're not. We're not. You know, exactly geniuses for saying that penalty takers are good, um, but penalty takers are good. Well, I mean, some of the talk on Twitter it's almost like it's a surprise. I mean, I can understand the frustration. Um, I mean, I didn't have Vardy, and I and I did think about him, but I I don't think you can be you know salty about it because it is part of the game, and there was a lot of penalties on day one. The average per team last season was four point six, and you know it, it might it, it's going to reduce. It might not have any penalties this week. I hope so because I'm not going to have Fernandez. So <laughs> you can bet you if there's penalties this week, he's going to get one. Mm. Um, let's look at our lessons learned then from from this game week one, and we we've spoken about them previously, but you're one at the top there. Don't 
don't change your entire lineup to include one player. Uh, and that oh. was that was 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 that one player Havertz then? Was it? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, time time will tell. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not panicking on on Havertz. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of people selling him. Uh, I knew I knew the first two games would be tricky for him. I didn't expect him to get loads of points against Brighton and obviously with Liverpool next. The, the test for him, I do feel, is in the three games after that when he's got Southampton, Palace and West Brom. Right? You know, if, if he blanks in the first out of those three fixtures, then I'm going to be thinking, oh, this, this isn't looking so good. And then, you know, Ziyech might be coming back. I can move to him and save a bit of cash. But, you know, I, I, I am, I'm 30 points down on that move already. And really, the players I bought in, you look at, you know, I did Ramsdale to Ryan. Uh, I've got Walker Peters in. Uh, I've got, uh, I had to bring in um, uh, Davies as well. You know, so I've taken out players who I was backing, who I thought would do well, to bring in one player who I was backing. And, yeah, it's it's a hindsight thing to, to say because it hasn't worked out in game one. I'll judge it properly in a few weeks. But... Next season, I've this is the se- this is the second year in a row, maybe even more. I can't even remember back to three years ago, but it's the second year in a row where I've made last minute changes to my team, and it's cost me points. And I'm having to claw them back, so I'm, I just I need to not do that. See, I I went to bed on Friday night about one o'clock. I think Luke was still up um, at the time, and I, I think he was posting on Twitter, and I I think I replied to him saying, I've finished now. And I, I, I couldn't get to sleep. I was still up till three in the morning, but I, I had didn't touch my team after 1am. Yeah, and then Saturday morning, I didn't touch it at all. I, I, it's so tempting, but I just don't want to do that. Um, I was but, calm. Yeah. We were talking about it. I was yeah, so calm right were. up until Saturday morning. And I was just, then I was just all, I was like, have a Chelsea midfielder. Is that when I you made to... the changes, Saturday morning? Saturday morning, yeah. A half an hour before the deadline. Again. That's, for the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to save these. These lessons learned are going to be there next season and, you know, for us to refer to. And my two here is obviously referring to my mistakes. Avoid any highly owned player who's not certain to start, even if manager comments increase certainty. And we're talking there about Nuno talking about Vanagra. And he was he was talking pre-season about how he's the future. You know, he didn't want to let him go. Yep. And even though Marcel come in, um, we didn't expect him to start. And if he did start, he might have even started as part of the defensive three. Uh, and Vanagra didn't turn up. He's on the bench. So, yeah, I mean, it was a mistake. And I, I, I really was convinced that based so on Nuno's content, that he would that he'd play. I think what I, what I've learned from that is that it's it's easier to move for a player like Vanagra once you know that he is starting than it is that in our in in our case to now have to take him out because I you know that first game he could have started that first game and we go oh he does still like him he starts against City. And then you think, okay, well, I'll just take the hit, bring him in. I should have gone for that straight away, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. But now I've had to move him out game week one and I feel like an idiot because I should have, I should have, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as convincing as we, we thought it was. I mean, I was not expecting Marcel to start that game though. No. Like based on, I mean, Nuno didn't give any, this is, this is the thing, this is the lesson. Managers are liars. Well, there's definitely there's definitely some mind games being played when they say this kind of thing. I guess. I mean, but why why have mind games with him? He I literally said in his press conference he needs time to learn and adapt to our systems. Yeah. Literally what he said, and then he plays him in the first game. He goes, "Oh, he learned really quickly. You did great." <laughs> I mean, it was a matter of days between know, those events. It's, it's and crazy. So it's yeah. so annoying. And similarly, you know, my last point here: avoid any player who has only recently returned from injury, even when manager comments increase certainty. And I'm talking there about Pulisic, of course, who mm. I thought. 
no, he's all right. Lampard has said he's fit, and I'd seen you know photographs of Pulisic in training on the Friday, so you know I didn't expect by Monday there'd be a problem. But of course, yeah, obviously he had a setback after the training session, presumably. I that's what Lampard said, but I shouldn't have gone with it, should I? I mean, Pulisic is an injury-prone player as well, so I should have told myself no, it's too risky. Even though Lampard's saying he's fit, even though there's no flag, don't go for it. Um, but, you know, if I hadn't got Pulisic, I wouldn't have had the money for James. So it's not, I didn't lose Yeah, that's, so. I, I guess that's more, that's a bit, that's a bit of luck, isn't it, there? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I went I went for Havertz because I, I I thought, well, I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough of Pulisic being fit. I, you know, the fact he hasn't had a pre-season, the fact that he's a doubt for this game, I, I thought, you know, and because there was Havertz at the same price, I thought I'd rather take a punt on a player who, at least is fit and will play rather than one who did you know enough not. about him though because i i was not in the dark but i just haven't seen enough of him in a competitive match i don't no. watch a lot of european football you know part, when i was part of the way i can get away with watching so much premier league stuff is i tell my partner oh, i won't watch the champions league games and i won't mm. watch them so <laughs> i don't have that background of knowledge from european football so i didn't know enough about Havertz to take the plunge of him but you did you felt you did well, not really. I mean, the, the the key thing was was that, and I don't I don't want to use the word price point, but I wanted to have a way of getting that Chelsea midfielder in, and you know I think it's Zayech that I want long term mm. because I do know I have seen him play more than I've seen the others, and I think he's going to be such a boost for for Chelsea. You know, with his passing and his shooting and everything, he's he's just such a talented player. So he's he's the one that I wanted. But obviously not fit. Then it probably would have been Pulisic if he was fit because I know what he's capable of, like you say, last year, but. I wanted a Chelsea man in and I thought, well, Havertz could come in. He could, you know, play in that kind of Lampard-esque 10-8 role or whatever and look really sharp. And then I don't need to move on to one of the others and then it's fine. But if I do need to move in onto one of them, then I can quite quite easily. So that, that was the kind of logic there. It wasn't because I thought Havertz was going to come in and get bang a hat-trick in the first two games. Um, but I, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to be as poor as he was. What, do you, what <laughs> to are you be expecting honest. against Liverpool? You expect, I mean, first of all, are you expecting him to start? I guess we are. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think with Loftus Cheek playing so badly, I think it, it opens the door for for him to to come in and, and play that role and kind of show what he's right. what he's about. Uh, I think that I think that game again is is going to be quite open. I don't think Liverpool are, are, are they're similar to how they were last season. They just haven't quite got that. They just don't look. I don't know what it is. I I think it might be like a bit of overconfidence and a bit of you know a bit bit too gung ho with things. And Chelsea are going to have a real point to prove to show that they. You've got to think if they if they want to have any hope of, of winning the league this season, they can't be losing three, four nil to Liverpool um at home. So they're gonna to have to have a go at them. I think there's sure, gonna be goals in it. It's not it's not gonna be nil nil. If you're clock, you're gonna go right, get on Havertz, early doors, you know, yeah. bit bit of a reducer, and that'll be in for the match gone. And yeah, you, I mean, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to think that Klopp thinks like that. He probably doesn't, but if I was a manager in this situation, I've just seen Havertz play. I can see he's taking time to settle, a little bit nervous, not up to speed. You're not going to give him time to get a few easy balls and get into the game, are you? You're going to get straight into him. And what's that going to do? Yeah, but I mean, what what are their options? What are Chelsea's options? In terms of starting, I think he starts because they haven't got they haven't got that many players who. There's no, I I just can't see Loftus Cheek playing again in that game. I mean, they could play Barkley. He he did look quite good when he came on, Um, but you know they, they haven't got they haven't got. A huge amount. I, of... I can't see them playing Havertz in the ten because it's too central. It's too mm. integral to the match. Whereas if they play him out wide again, at least he can have a few touches. He can ease his way into the game. Where if he's right 
in the hub of it, there's no hiding. And he yeah. was he was hiding against Brighton, yeah. it seemed, wasn't yeah. it? You know, so yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, you're holding. It's a risk. Him. It's a risk. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I, I I don't blame people for selling him. And you know, when you've got someone like James Rodriguez at seven point five, uh, I think people, a lot of people are making that move. Yeah. And then they're they're upgrading up to Dean and and up to Calvert Lewin and you know Mitrovic to Calvert Lewin and uh, Werner Havertz to Rodriguez. I think he's I'm seeing quite a bit, which I think is quite sensible. But I'm trying. To, I'm just going to remain a bit, bit more patient with him, and I've got the exit plan with ZH anyway. So you know, if I lose the point one on him, it's not a disaster because I know who I kind of want in a few weeks anyway. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to claim that I'm a Havertz expert, but a player doesn't get a reputation as he is for being this. I mean, one of the things that he gets so much praise for is being composed, being calm, you know, being able to pick a pass and timing his runs and that kind of thing at the right moment. And we didn't see any of that against Brighton. But this is the kind of game against Liverpool where he's going to need to do that if he's if he's going to if he's going to play. He needs to be told, look, you need to want the ball. You need to pick your pass. You need to make the right runs. And hopefully we'll see the best of him. I think oh, he'll start. Well, see, I think he'll start. I think he'll be back out wide again, though. I just don't think Lampard's going to risk it being making him be in a central role. I think he'll play he'll play Mount there maybe and play Hudson Odoi. Mm. Or he'll play Barkley. I think Barkley's probably more certain to start. Yeah. Let's see. Interesting. Well let's do enough of looking back. Uh, let's look ahead. I wanted to look ahead to um the ten fixtures, um, you know, game week two up to game week ten. Um here's the uh fixture ticker from Fancy Football Scout, um, which is sorted by attack ratings. Um so this is the easiest fixtures at the top uh, in blue. Um, and just for people listening in, at the top, it's Manchester United. This is from game week two to game week 10. Those fixtures are great. Second is Wolves. Third is Everton. Uh, fourth is Fulham. But, you know. Um, so this is why United players are so interesting to us. It's not just game week two at home to Palace. It's the long term. They have got the highest rated fixtures for goals, according to the Fancy Football Scout ticker. Um, and I've checked other tickers. There are tickers out there and they concur. So, you know, United are definitely a team to invest in, as are Wolves and Everton. But it's a problem. I mean, I mean you've made your United mm. move. You've got yep. Martial in, haven't you, for Ings? I have. And yep. so you're expecting great things, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really do think getting, getting having a United player is, it should, it should be top of people's list to be thinking about. Uh, it's it's why I think Fernandez is is quite restrictive because trying to build a team with Salah and, and Aubameyang who you also want for this match and having United player and then thinking about City as well I just think that that ten point five price for Fernandez is is clever because if he was less I think you could probably make this, this a team work but the fact he's point one point five more than Martial uh, is is why I why I really wanted to go for, go for him. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, I, I think you the one of the issues with United is that because they've got so many players who are capable of scoring, you, you worry a bit that the points are going to be shared out around them, which is the problem when you've got kind of four or five players from one team uh, who look quite good. And, you you know, you like it when a team's got like one player, who you know, he's always, always going to be the one who gets it. Like Liverpool, for example, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be Salah or, or Mane. You know, if they signed Werner, for example, it'd be horrible for fantasy football because... He might actually score some points. You'd have to consider getting him, but you know, you know, you can pretty much stick with one of one of Salah and Mane and, and do quite well. Uh, so yeah, that's the risk. But those fixtures, I mean, Palace, 
Brighton, Tottenham, Newcastle, those four games, there's goals. They're, they're going to score goals in those games. I mean, I look at it and think the first two, Crystal Palace and Brighton, yes, I think that I fear not having a United player for those. But after that, Tottenham, Newcastle, Chelsea, Arsenal. I mean, Tottenham at home, I mean, Marino could, I mean, there's there's beef there, right? So Marino could go there. There's They're going to be, they're, they're going to be off the back of Europa League matches. They're going to be tired maybe, but they're going to put effort in there. And Marino, I, ha- I don't think he can park the bus anymore, but he'll try probably. <laughs> Newcastle away, Newcastle, they're no pushovers. I mean, at home, defensively, they're okay, I would say. I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of goals there. And that is one of the harder fixtures on this ticker here. Mm. Chelsea at home, yeah, I think that's probably goals in... in I mean, they beat them 4-0 last year. I think there's goals there. If Kepa's mm. still in goal, then then I'm worried because if I don't have a United player for that game, then you've got to think they're going to be shooting on sight. Rashford, long shots, Marshall, long shots. Arsenal at home, that that could be tricky. I mean, Arteta sorted that defence out. So, And then Everton away, which Everton looked good. So that gap, that gap between four and eight, I think, isn't as easy as perhaps we think on paper. Um, I think you know some of those teams have improved. Tottenham, maybe not maybe gone the other way we'll have to see so I think it's the next two that I'm most worried about and obviously when we get to game weeks nine and ten it's West Brom and Southampton which are very very strong pitches so I think it's so like, you're going you're going without are you I, I'm gonna have to I think I mm. think I'm gonna have to go without and I was listening to Simon March on the scout cast and he's doing the same very very patient approach he wants to see United and I think we don't know enough I mean look at it United's players let's just bring up some of the assets here this is the ownership at the moment as of this morning Bruno Fernandez, 22.2% and he, that will keep going up over the weekend. It'll probably be 30% by the time deadline, if not more, I imagine. Um, and he's got the penalties, and we've already spoken about how important they could be. If I was going to get Fernandes, I had to go last night, and I had to go, I had to sell Werner and get Calvert-Lewin, and then I could have gone... Which you mentioned to me, you were thinking, yeah, of, I was, you were thinking of doing. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's, it's late at night, there's an hour to go before the prices change, so what's that, One thirty? It was still, I was still awake looking at it. <laughs> but it was it's too early to be doing that kind of move I think and 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 I think what makes me wonder about United um is what I've read is that the preseason has been very haphazard obviously the last match they played was a Seville defeat and then they've all gone separate ways some have been off on international duties some haven't some have had holidays some have been in quarantine I guess uh, Greenwood's had these episodes you know a couple of off the pitch misdemeanors so there's been a bit of disruption I don't, and also, Palace have got a game behind them. And actually, they were pretty good against Southampton Palace. So they're not going to make it easy. So I don't... I'm kind of hoping that it's a comfortable 2-0 rather than a 5-0. But I think I think really Palace were, were flattered a bit by, by Southampton in general for being poor. But also, they should have really conceded to... I mean, the goalkeeper, I mean, the goalkeeper made two... That save they made at the end, greater made at the end from Ings, was... Was horrible for me because it was Walker Peters two ings as well. It would have been a would have been a perfect goal made in heaven that. But the thing with Palace is that defence is so patched up still that I think they are going to get trounced in one game if they keep playing that that defence with you know Mitchell and um, Coyote's playing back there as Coyote well. Coyote yeah. centre back. I, I think there's you know there's I think if they were playing United, you know, next week or the week after, it could have been then. I think you're right. It could take United a while to kind of click into gear. But, I mean, as a Brighton fan as well, I'm worried about United in that second game too. I think we struggle a lot with with that kind of pace and that kind of... I mean, they, they beat us comfortably at Old Trafford when they weren't playing that well and we were playing quite well. 
and we just couldn't deal with Martial and Rashford. They just tore us apart time and time again. And it was the same at the Amex, wasn't it? Because I had Fernandes in that game, and he did particularly well. And yeah, their pace on the road. I mean, I, I think they're more. I think they will score more goals against Brighton at the Amex than they will against Palace. Sacco's back for Palace. He's probably their best defender. He might mm. go straight back in. So they are patched up. I do worry, but I just don't know how quickly United are going to get back into gear, like you say. I mean, they were irresistible towards the end of the season, but then Fernandes went off the boil through fatigue and then it, it kind of slowed down a little bit. Mm. But they created a lot of chances against Seville, didn't they? So I don't know. I don't know which way it's going to go. I, I do know, looking at that, Rashford's only got 6% ownership. And that's another one I could do. I could go Rashford in for Pulisic and that would mean I'd have to, again, I'd have to sell Werner um, and probably get, Jimenez if I did that Jimenez and Rashford in looks really tempted but it's it's whether or not I want to sell Werner we'll see later on when we look at captain planning how important Werner could be to keep but Rashford you like him don't you I do yeah I mean his his ownership is is, is under six percent uh and again a million less than than Fernandez I think he's I was saying this on the scale I think he if you've got 0.5 in the bank and you've got Son I think that is such a good move for for people to be to be thinking of making because I think for that price he, he he's going to outperform um, Son I think over this season like quite comfortably you know it might be different if if Spurs do sign Bale and Son they change the formation and Son's plays you know when he's stuck out on the wing like he is I don't think he's he's gonna he's not going to be a massive force this season um, I mean Bale's a really interesting what do you think about Bale signing? Well, I loved him when he was at Spurs the first time. He was one of my favourite assets. What are we going to get, though? Well, it's, it's not someone you're going to throw straight in. You're going to want to watch him. I mean, it's where Marino plays him as well. Yeah. Um, he surely, well, surely he takes Mora's place. Yeah, but he likes Mora, Marino, doesn't he? So, I don't, Mora's, like, I looked at his goals. Like, I think he got four goals last season. He played pretty much every game. So you think Ali's gone, do you? Yeah, it's a, it's a real it, it's so like it's just so typical Mourinho, isn't it? Take your tactically best player, brandish them lazy, and alienate them from the squad. It's just he does it every club he goes to. It's it's amazing, really, the consistency that he has. It's funny though, isn't it? Because the documentary, the Amazon documentary, everyone kind of went for Ali, not on the back of that, but that did help steer yeah, the decision, yeah. I think. And then it turned out to be completely the opposite when the season started so what's going on there what's, what's what's really interesting in the um in the documentary as well is is how much Mourinho keeps going on and on and on about press yeah. press from the front press yeah. from the front press from the front there's, there's a really good article on the um athletic at the moment which is on uh which is on spurs and it basically says that the forward line is pressing they had they were the they were the um the most pressing team in the league from their forwards in terms of like the distance they covered, but they were the worst in terms of those presses actually leading to ball recovery. Turnovers, yeah, yeah. And, and and he mentioned you know after the Everton game that the pressing was lazy, yeah. Um, and he and he and he singled out the front. We didn't single them out the front three. Um, Kane, Moore, uh, Ali, and Son. I guess. I mean, Son. You can't accuse Son of being lazy. No. Um, Kane's the, the captain, so you're saying more. More. I think puts a shift in. So Ali, Ali was kind of the scapegoat because he was subbed at half time, wasn't he? Yeah, but th- this is what the article is saying. It's saying that they're, they're putting the effort in, but the the kind of the um, the coordination between them right. isn't right. So right. It, it it had a good example of um, like say I play five aside and there's someone with the ball and I charge after them and they just pass it to the person next to them. Unless I've got someone on my team pressing that person, my press is pointless because 
they've just made an easy pass to the person. Whereas if you're on my team and you press that person, then we win the ball back. And you know, it's that kind of coordination. And I oh, think yeah, because, yeah. because Ali's in the middle, I think he has that responsibility to be the person who's who's pressing the other the other player. And he doesn't do it because he is. That isn't his game. He's he lazy. Be, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, he is lazy, but it's also that isn't that isn't what he's in. That isn't what the team's been built around him in the past to do. That is his job is. Yeah, but it's like Aguero. He wasn't that player, and Pep no. had to turn him into that player. So yeah. we can't. You can't sort of say a modern footballer where well, he's not that player. You're going to have to learn to be that player. That's the way it is. Tactically, pressing is a key component of the game these days. If you're yeah. a front player, he can't be yeah. like that. And he's not going to. He's not going to get in Marino's team unless he's doing that. So I, I, Bale, I guess you know athleticism. He has it in abundance, doesn't he? So he, mm. he'll, he'll be strong in the press. You'd have thought, and he's capable of just some ridiculous FIFA-style goals, isn't he? So I'll be tempted. What do you think he's going to come in at? I saw something. Yeah, I think it was Joe posted. He reckons or Andy said he was about nine million, but surely it's got to be more than that, isn't it? I, I think he should be nine, but I think he'll come in at, I think he'll come in at ten. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you've got you've got Son, you've got Son there who could have his position changed, True. Um, and 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 be playing for. I mean, Son's has delivered good returns over the last few seasons, and and actually got a, a price fall from last last year when he was nine point five when he started. Uh, I mean, if Bell comes in at ten, barely played in the last sort of three or four years, not not fit yet. I don't know. I think I, I think I think I think he will. I think he will be at ten because I think. People, he, you know, he could be a premium asset. He could be like a 10, 10.5 asset, but I will be waiting to see what happens with him. I'd, I would love him to come in and just be, and just smash oh, it. It's going to be a midfielder. It's going to be around 9, 5, 10. It's going to be another option. It's going to be another, you know, upside chasing manager is going to have somebody else to consider. The rest of us are going to wonder how we're going to get them in our team, um, along with Salah and Sterling and KDB. I mean, if, and if, if Kane gets there. injured again and he ends up up front. Yeah, could do. Well, Sun, <laughs> Sun will take the front berth if that's a good <sighs> Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see what it does. I mean, it's, it's it'll be good to have him back. Um, so I mean, let's see let's see what happens. But United, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go in without them. Let's look at the game week two fixtures. Um, so United's on there. Um, 5.30 kickoff as well on Saturday. I mean, that's going to be, for me, without United player, Palace, uh, Old Trafford at 5.30. Normally, that's a game I enjoy. Normally, I go, oh, okay, the kids are going to bed in a minute. Um, I can uh, <laughs> I can get away with this on a Saturday. Pip will put them to bed. I'll sit down and watch the 5.30 game. I won't be done. This time I'll be saying, I'll put the kids to bed. I don't want to watch that Because yeah. it's like... Oh. Got any books we can read? Yeah, exactly. Do you want a story? I'll give you 10 stories. Yeah, exactly. I just don't want to know. Um, yeah, it's going to be horrible viewing for me because I, I think the inevitable is going to happen. I think we're going to have two or three goals. I hope it's going to be kept to 2-0 um, and I hope that the points are shared out. Um, but Fernandez could turn up with his penalties and again, and then we'll have people... Ranting on Twitter. Um, once I, d- again. I don't. I don't. I don't like this. This fixture list. Like I, you know I, I. I see areas where I've got problems. Like the first Everton West Brom. I haven't got any Everton players. That's a great match for them with Dean and Calvert Lewin yeah. and yeah. Rodriguez is being brought in by loads. And I've got Pereira and I'm not confident at all with him going into that. So already I don't like that one. Uh, then I'm looking at Leicester Burnley. I think that could be a good a good win for Leicester in that game. Burnley. Uh, they got through in the Carabao Cup today but they haven't really played it wasn't their first team so they're, they're they haven't played many minutes and Leicester looked really really sharp mm. against West Brom so that could be a that could be a three or four nil to the Leicester and then Monday I haven't got any players in any of the games at all I don't think you have either have you you've got 
No, um, no, not yet. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, I, and, and also when the games are all televised like this, you almost want to have a player in every match, don't you? Because you want yeah. to kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And you know, it's that it's that um, it's that Sunday when you, you know, Monday night game uh, kind of phenomenon that you want to have a player in it so you can sit down on a Monday night and watch one of your players and. Because all these matches are there, you want that. So, I mean, Everton, West Brom, I think everyone's tipping Everton for that. And, and why not? West Brom looked pretty miserable and, and Everton very impressive. Yep. And we'll see if Calvert-Lewin gets service. Leeds, clean sheet against Fulham, you've got to think. And, you know, you've got to think that's the first win for Bielsa, I would say. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. Fulham, Fulham will go into that game. That's not an unknown for them, is it? They've been there before. Mitrovic has scored, I think, at Ellen Road last yep. season. And Mitrovic is back now and scored yeah. in the Cup. yeah. So you think United, we talked about Arsenal, West Ham. Well, we'll talk about Aubameyang later on. <laughs> That's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> we, we presume that, don't we? And we'll look at the data later on about that. But yeah, I, I can't see West Ham. Well, it's a London derby, so they'll want to put up a fight. But I just don't think it. And Arsenal looked slick at Fulham, didn't they? Arteta mm. is turning them around, isn't he? It's a, I mean, it's amazing the impact he's had. I mean, I was I was sceptical about him him coming in when... I mean, given the mess that he was walking into, uh, I I didn't expect him to 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 do as well as he's done. I mean, they they look a completely different side, and I and I hate to say it, but I think William is a brilliant yeah. signing for them. Yeah. I thought he was he was fantastic uh, against Fulham. Just like his quality of his set plays are just amazing. He just looked really sharp, really up for it. But you talk about Havertz, who hadn't been with his teammates very long. William yeah. looked like he's played five years with that lot. Yeah, absolutely. Just straight into the system. Yeah, linking play everywhere, taking all the set pieces, which you'd expect that. But it's just his all-round play and his awareness yeah. of the position of the players. And Arteta's tactics are quite interesting. He's doing that thing that Guardiola does with pushing his full-backs into midfield with the uh, you know wide players stretching the play. And, and William was just attuned to it all. And 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 you kind of suspect that Arteta... I hate him. 2020. <laughs> I know, but Arteta's brought him for a specific role, hasn't he? He's targeted him yeah. and his qualities to be the fulcrum of that Arsenal team. And I think he actually could turn into a fancy asset. I mean, I know very popular signing off the back of the three assists. And but and, and part of me wants to think that's just a bandwagon, ignore it. But actually, you're right. He was so impressive. I kind of got an inkling that he will be a player we will have to consider at some point. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a friend of mine that, that he, he's definitely a casual. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's played for years, but he's never really been a threat. He's never really been a threat to me, but he started watching these. Um, and he, he messaged me the other day uh, saying that he was thinking of taking Aubameyang out for KDB and Son out for William. And he was thinking, I'm, I'm planning ahead. I want to you know, keep an Arsenal player because they look so good and stuff. And I thought, that's actually, there's a lot, I, I, I can kind of see why you would do that because, you know, KDB, Aubameyang, that's interesting. You know, to go. If you think Arsenal are going to carry on doing well after their fixtures, their fixtures are quite tough at the moment, but then um, soften up a bit, you know, a bit later down the line. I think William could actually, for eight million, oh God, I hate to say it, but I think he could, he could be a, a kind of the go-to pick in that in that price bracket. Well, we can't have seven or eight midfielders, so he's he's going to have a job getting in. But yeah, very impressive. I mean, let's go back mm. to the fixtures. Southampton, Spurs. I mean. Both of those teams played full-strength teams in midweek. It's, that was a shock. I didn't yeah. expect Southampton to play a full-strength side or lose at home to Brentford. And then Spurs turn up in Bulgaria with, you know, obviously Marino's taking that seriously. I, I mean, I thought it'd be some... barely actually. get through. Just, they only got through because they had two players sent off. Yeah. Um, so both those teams go into that fixture out of form, really. Yep. Um, 
I mean, I'm going to have Adams in that match. So are you, I guess. So no, I'm oh, Adams. You haven't no. got Adams, no. no. I've got rid of Ings, haven't I? Of course, you had Ings. That's right. But I mean, I'm having to hold him, and I'm, I'll have to hope that Southampton turn it around. I mean, Spurs will be leggy, hopefully, off the back of the trip from Bulgaria. Mm. We'll see. Uh, Newcastle Brighton. How's that going to go for you, boys? <laughs> it's it's historically low scoring. Uh... I don't know. I don't really know. I think we we played really well against Chelsea. I think Newcastle played really well against West Ham. I'm I'm quite looking forward to watching it. I think it should be quite a good match. I'll go for one all. Right. Okay. I think it'd be low scoring. Yeah. Chelsea Liverpool. We've spoken about. We're gonna look at. I mean, yeah. I mean, we think there's got to be goals because of Kepa in goal, don't we? And yeah. the corners. Chelsea vulnerable to that. So Liverpool, you think I've got a couple of goals in them. I don't know if Chelsea will be the attacking threat. That's why, you know, we looked at the ex- open play XG and it's 0.3 in that game against Brighton. So they, they relied on the world-class finish from James and the set piece. So what would they get from Liverpool? Liverpool did look somewhat vulnerable, but maybe just, that's just the narrative. Maybe it's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I I just don't think Liverpool have got that that solidity at the moment. Right. Um, it'd be interesting to know how, what Thiago brings when he comes in. I mean, we know his passing's amazing and, you know, he dictates the play and, and things. It'd be interesting to see who he displaces in the team because you've got to think, you know, he, he well, Klopp really likes Wijnaldum. It looks like his move to Barcelona's off, but that seems to be the logical person who would come out of the team, I guess, mm. with Henderson and Fabinho. Still, I can't, I can't see him taking out one of those two. Um, and Chiara's so, played well as well, hasn't he? So Yeah. So it might it might change the way Liverpool play um, a fair bit if if he comes in. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll see. I, I'm going. I'll go three one Liverpool. I think they're going to win that game. I just think Chelsea won't be able to keep them at bay unless he makes a change in goal. He might well do. But Lampard Caballero happy. coming in. Yeah, but Lampard's happy with Kepa. So how could he possibly? And they never lie. Oh, you never lie. <laughs> so yeah, watch this space. It'll be Caballero starting. Leicester Burnley. You have got to think a home win, but it, I don't think too many goals in that for Leicester. Really, I, th- I think they're going to win that comfortably. Do you? I mean, yeah, I think that, that could be a three or four nil. Charlie Taylor may not play apparently because he got he started this week in yeah. midweek, didn't he? So I think me me's injured as well. Isn't is he? he? Okay, so. all right. Um, and Villa Sheffield United, Sheffield United disappointed me against Wolves, and yeah. I wonder whether the Henderson missing Henderson, and we talked about the the expected goals prevented. Ramsdale isn't Henderson. By perhaps quite a margin, so maybe Villa are going to sneak that. I think, just got a feeling. Yeah, I mean, I I had Ramsdale all all preseason pretty much, and then took him out the last, and I was a bit worried about it. When he conceded after a few minutes against Wolves, and I watched the the goals he had conceded, I thought, oh, that's uh, he just kind of carried on from where he left off with with Bournemouth, really conceding goals all over the place. I think Sheffield United will will get it back. I think they'll get back the you know their their their, their game is built around. You know, staying solid and staying compact, compact, and their system. You know, players are meeting. So they've signed so many players. Yeah, it's it's interesting to know how he's going to fit those in. And you know, they've they've there's reports they're going to get Brewster from Liverpool as well. So we might actually have a four point five strike. Well, that'll be but... amazing, won't it? Because that opens up that completely, and we'll go Davis to Brewster eventually when we get yeah. the chance. But then there's like six strikers there. So is he going to play in I don't know, it's 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 all a bit strange. I think Sheffield United will be fine this season. I think Ramsdale will will come good, but it was a bit alarming. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa win that one yeah. as well. Watkins um, looks a good signing. Yeah. Wolves and City, what do you think? I mean Wolves normally do very well against City. Last season they yeah. really, I mean, Traore just... to the sword. Yeah, and Jimenez as well. I looked at him; he got a goal and three assists against him last season. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you're considering Jimenez from game week three when the fixtures improve, don't necessarily count him out of this game because, I mean... Well, I, yeah. I have got a scouting mission for that game because I'm very, very interested in a 5.5 midfielder from Wolves. Podence, yeah. By the name of Daniel Castello Podence, yeah. who's playing up front. And did you see about Jota today? No, I haven't heard. What's there? Is there an injury, so he, is it? No. So he was he, he went to the they had the Carabao Cup game against Stoke. Uh he went to the hotel or whatever and then left. Oh. So rumours there's a move for him, not obviously not confirmed, but definitely a, a bit of a strange one. Uh, and I mean, if he's if he actually you know gets a run of games because like I said last time, uh, Wolves um, Wolves fans love love Podence. They think he's you know he's he's going to be one of the greatest players that's ever played for Wolves. And he's a funny, he's tiny, he's rapid. He's the second fastest player at the club after Traore. Makes things happen. Uh, got an assist in his first game. And I mean the run of games that like we showed earlier with the Wolves have got. Yeah. A 5.5 out of position midfielder with those fixtures. And if Jota goes, if Jota goes, he's in for me. For Pereira. Well, let's just have a look. I mean, they've got from game with, after City, they've got West West Ham away, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle, Crystal Palace. I mean, Fulham, Newcastle and Crystal Palace at home. Excellent games. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I didn't know that news about Jota. That does change things because I just looked at the team sheets and think, well, Jota's going to get back in eventually. There's going to be some rotation with Neto, Podence and... And Yotta, but if if that is the case, and that does firm up to be a move, he's a loss to Wolves though. He's a great player, Yotta. So I'd be, yeah. I, I'm very surprised at that if that is the case. But well, that that does that does change things because I look, I'm looking ahead to game week three, and I I don't think I can get Jimenez unless I lose Werner. No, um, but you know Jimenez is so reliable that you've got to think that he's going to get a string of goals he, over that. He's one. such a he's such a funny player, Jimenez, because I always seem to kind of ignore him but then when I do have him I'm really happy with him because he always just trickles in those points you know he he's not the kind of player that's going to get you 15 16 points I don't think he's a great captain pick at any point but you know he's a player who's going to be up he's definitely going to be in the top five forwards by the end of the season he's playing for a really attacking Wolves team with no Europe amazing fixtures uh yeah I, I think Werner Jimenez is 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 close in, you know, you've got a million saved if you go for him. Well, this is it. This is what I could do. I could. Are do... you going to captain Werner? Well, this is what we look at in a bit. I mean, the thing about yeah, Jimenez never employee of the month, but he's always up for pay rise. Is how I think about him. He's, <laughs> he, he's never really someone who stands out, but always reliable and does his job. And yeah, and he's on penalties, of course. We've mentioned yeah. penalties already tonight. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I'm in City. We'll have a game on there. And and what we're going to get, our City going to, I mean, they were so impressive in lockdown. You've got to think they'll just get back into it and they're, they're going to get manage to get three points there. But what a tough game to start with. I mean, Guardiola can't have been happy with that fixture. So, and it, if Sterling has a fantastic game there and away from home, normally he's stronger. And I think he scored at City last, at Wolves last year. He missed a penalty as well, didn't he? Would he change your mind on KDB for game week three if Sterling was stellar? It's, I mean, KDB is going up to like, oh, he's going to be 50% owned by the time that Leeds game comes around. Mm. I know we're not looking at ownership, but people are really, I mean, Sterling has, is becoming a, a differential player. So depending on the way you play the game, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to look too much into that, but Sterling's at 4.6% ownership at the moment. KDB's at 30%. So I've, I've always actually higher than that. Um, it's just those penalties though. It's those penalties for KDB. Yeah, it is. 
that's that to me is the you know from what we've been talking about penalties and we're almost going to kind of finish on talking about penalties I think because if there are going to be more penalties if you believe that if game week one indicates there might be uh, I getting the Man City penalty taker yeah uh, it depends if Aguero comes back and he's given a share of them or whatever, but mm. we can't presume that at the moment. So I'm, I'm about 60-40 in favour of De Bruyne. So it definitely could swing. It definitely yeah. could swing on what happens in that game. And when we look at the captain plan in a moment, you'll see why. Um, let's talk about our team thing briefly. Let's talk about what we're going to do. You've made your transfers already. I've there done them. Yeah. yeah, straight in. So, yeah, you can see I've taken Ings out for Martial. I just wanted to stick to the plan. I mean, the, the reason I'm, I'm moving quickly with, with transfers at the moment because I losing the point one feels like losing point five. That, that's, that's yeah, it does. Reason. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because it, it, it prices you out of, of certain players. So I wanted to do the Ings Martial move because I think looking at my team, I feel like I'm always going to have fives to put out and I could keep leaving that, you know, one week, next week, next week. Martial keeps scoring goals, Ings maybe ticks over whatever but I just want to I just want to do it because I'll, I'll really kick myself with Martial especially these next two games I think he's, he could do well against Palace yeah. and, and Brian so we just wanted to get that move done but then I had to take Vinagra out because the way my team's set up I can't have any passengers I can't have I can't have a 4.5 defender um, not playing because otherwise I'm playing Basuma or Mitchell. Yeah, you've got Basuma, Mitchell, <laughs> and Davis on the bench, which the, that's not strong. You have it's not, not given you many options, is it? So you no, can't and I mean. Out. And obviously, I've got Walker Peters and Davis, who I'm not happy with as well. So my defence is from saying I didn't want to make any defensive transfers at all. <laughs> I think for my first three transfers could all be, could all be. I know. So I bought in Eiling. Uh, like you said, really impressed with him. Yeah. Um, thing. It's, it's, it feels like a nice game to do it because I want him long term anyway because I like the attacking potential and you know, having that home game against Fulham with Vinagra away at um, at home to City. It feels like that could be four points back just in that game alone, you know, and with Mitchell away at United, you know, they're probably going to be two pointers and Eiling could well get a six pointer. So I could get that four points paid back straight away. That's the, that's the, that's the way I'm looking at it. Okay. Well, let's, let's go on to my team. I haven't made my transfers yet, although they're probably coming tonight. Um, and yeah, let, I'll talk about what I, I could do. Um, I mean, obviously, the problem I've got is I've got Pulisic there. Werner, I think I'm going to hold. When we look at the captain plans, you'll see why. Um, if I change Pulisic, I don't have to change Vanagra. But it's exactly as you say. I don't like losing point one because then you're, you know, you've left with a naught four, and suddenly that money's just there to absorb pay rises. You cut, um, yeah. cut price increases. I talk about pay rises. That's Jimenez again, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but you know it. You can't, I, you know, it's a it's a blow, isn't it? Losing not one is like losing not five, like not yeah. five. Especially on well. a defender when yeah. there's not there's there's no options around. You know, at least if you lose point five on put up point one on Pulisic, at least you've got eight million seven point five seven to go down to. Losing that money on a defender at four point five, you've only got Mitchell. He's the only four million starting defender there is. So if you don't want Mitchell, then I think you need to get him out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so just before we talk about what transfers are going to do, I'm going to bring up what I'm calling. I'm calling my transfer list, which is my checklist when making transfers. And this might grow as we go throughout the season. And in fact, the top one on there, I put on there after listening to Josh Ball's uh, lecture on um, on math, mathematical modelling and FPL. Um, these are the questions I'm going to ask myself before making a transfer, before choosing players. Um, and the top one there, are you replacing a low-scoring player? That 
I think it's an important lesson for me to take on board because often, as I said last week, I chase players that I that have, that have been doing well for other managers or scoring well, and I'll find a player in my team to take out to make way for them. Mm-hmm. And that player I take out might not be a, a player that's struggling for me. It might be anyone. It might just be someone that's the same price so or can, is an enabler so I can get the player I want. I want to switch that round a bit and only look at players that are struggling or players that aren't going to get me points. And obviously Pulisic and Vinagra probably aren't going to get me points this week. Um, and Vinagra's probably not going to be points long term. We don't know how long Pulisic could be out for. So that top one, I definitely fulfil that criteria. The others are all questions that I just want to ask myself as I go. Does the target outscore the player replaced? Does the target outscore all the subs I've got? Like Reese James is on the bench. Is he going to do better than yeah. the players I'm going to bring in? Especially with a defensive transfer as well. Yeah. Taking a four point here for a defender rarely pays off, especially if you've got someone on your bench who could... Yeah, you're casting doubt on what I'm going to do now. Um, <laughs> does the team have favourable pitches? Does the team have form? Are they proven assets or do they have pedigree? This is going back to last year when I went mm. for players like, you know, Abraham and Mount, who really didn't have a pedigree at the time. Uh, is the data strong? So is the data data that's tested and is it in their favour? Are they injury prone? Got to worry about that. Going back to Martial. Are they likely to fall or rise in price in the short term? That's not a massive factor, but it is, it is something because I'm looking at Basically, I'm looking at a 7 million midfielder and I'm looking at either Harvey Barnes or Grealish. Mm. And the reason why I'm now edging towards Grealish... Oh, wow. I did not see that coming. Yeah, Harvey Barnes is already going down in ownership. If he doesn't produce anything against Burnley, I'll be at risk of losing another 0-1. Grealish is simmering nicely. He's got higher ownership, but Grealish signed the contract, scored in midweek, yep. looked outstanding in midweek. He's got an okay fixture against Sheffield United, who, who I think looked more vulnerable with Ramsdale in goal. Um, then he's got Fulham away, which yeah. you've got to think. And, and the thing is, when we're talking talisman, there isn't many players as, as talismanic as him. Maybe even the most of any team. You know, you look at. Villa, it's all about Grealish. And yeah. they are going to improve. I think Watkins is a good signing and they haven't finished shopping yet either. So, and he could be on penalties. I don't know that Watkins could take them, El Ghazi could take them, but I think Grealish maybe is in the box seat there still. He did miss one last season, but he took one as well and scored it. So Grealish, I think, is someone I'm considering. And the other transfer is going to be Luca Dean. I think that I want an Everton player and I think that he's going to be a real, real asset to FPL manager this year. I think defenders started well. He is going to have to provide some width because, as I said earlier, Calvert-Lewin isn't going to get any service because it's not going to come from Hammers or Richarlison, I don't mm. believe. Uh, he's, on set, he's on set pieces, some of them still. And I think defensively, they're going to improve because Allen, I think, we haven't mentioned him, I think he was outstanding, man the match. Mm. And I think when we saw, you know, when we saw them with Gay playing midfield, playing the holding role, they were more, they were stronger defensively. And I think Alan is, is him and more. So I think they are going to keep clean sheets as well. And yeah. the fixtures are outstanding. So that's what I'm going to do. I love it. I mean, it, it worries me a bit. And in a way, well, in a way it worries me, but it also makes me feel a little bit better about my my strategy of going for Havertz because it would let me do something similar if I wanted to do it, which I wouldn't have been able to do if if maybe I'd gone for I mean, I would have already had Dean, but that's what I mean though. Having that 8.5 option at least lets you go down to... A, someone around the 7, 7.5 mark. So it could be Rodriguez, it could be Grealish. There's plenty of options around that. 
Grealish, I, I don't see in anyone's team. I think he's he's a really really strong. I and mean, when you when you have got a talisman like that, they're always a player to to consider. Because well, I might, I might only hold him for a couple of games because around that, I mean, I made a list of the players that are good around that price, and you got Foden. Don't forget at six five, right? So we give him time and see if he's getting minutes. Van der Beek, we don't know what role he's going to play for United, but. He could be an asset of seven million. You've got Zaha who started to started the season up front and, and has got points already. If he doesn't get a move, or if he does get a move, he could be an option. Barnes I like, Madison, of course, Traore, even Trossard. So there are players in that area. Or I could go up. I mean, the thing is, because I've invested heavily at the back, at any time I can go Robertson to a four million and I've got three million to spend. Mm. And so that means I could upgrade yeah. Adams or my seven million midfielder. So at Robertson is a really decent bank of money because I don't need to have double Liverpool but I know I can flick the switch get a four million defender um, perhaps Ferguson when he's fit and suddenly three million frees up more options that I can tweak Barnes I treat tweak Grealish to another player or I can go Adams to maybe Jimenez so yep. I think I've got flexibility there with that so that's what I'm going to do I think and I may do it tonight I may have to because Dino is going up um, I'm going to keep Werner then because of this. This is the captain planning that we looked at previously. And the reason why I'm keeping Werner is because of game week three, four and five, where he is actually a strong captain. Certainly in game week uh, game week five at home to Southampton, I think, unless you're going to go De Bruyne at home to Arsenal, which you could do. But Leicester. I think, you know, Arteta, like, game week five. Game oh, week game five, five sorry. Right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, Arteta, you know, he knows how to play against City. He turned him over. Um, so mm. that's not going to be an easy game for De Bruyne. So game week five, I think Werner would be a popular captain. Game week four at home to Palace. You've got Sterling or De Bruyne at Leeds. But, you know, and even game week three, Werner's at West Brom. So if I lose Werner, I open myself up to that and I'm not going to have another Chelsea player in time. So I, I think I'm pretty convinced to keep him, which means I can't go a United player. So it's a trade-off. We'll see. On that table, you've got Fernandez versus Newcastle and Vardy versus Newcastle. Have I really? Where's that? What game week's that? Uh, game week five. I just wondered who United did have. Uh, well, it's certainly not Newcastle, is it? We'll go back to the fixtures and have a look. <laughs> oh, no. United, United are Newcastle away. Oh, OK. Sorry. Yeah. And Leicester are uh, Aston Villa at home. Aston Villa at so. home. So I did get that wrong. Sorry. I will correct that for next week. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I'm keeping Werner, I think. I may change my mind in the next four or five hours, but it means I can't have a United player at all, which is, it could hurt me. But I think Dina and Grealish are going to do all right for me. Certainly yeah. Dean. Yeah. I think, and, I, I lo- and I think what you're saying is right about, you know, you've, you've got, what, say you do, say Pulisic comes in and does smash it. You've got ways of kind of moving other players around, not necessarily, you know, getting rid of Dina or, you know, you've got Robertson there. You've got other ways of, of getting that, up. It wouldn't be like a complete having to restructure every player in your team to to make no. that move. And I yeah, I can move off of Reese James, get some money like that, I can move off of Dino, I can move off of Robertson. So they offer three price points, five million, six million, seven million. So depending on how much money I need, I can move off them and go and achieve I, I mean like um like General Zod says in, in the chat, the amount of options we've got this season is amazing. Like this you know, you can make so many different teams and they're all credible. Can't I can't really I can't remember a season where there's been this many players to choose from well i always bow before zod (laughs) as you should um let's talk about captains um a lot of talk about obomiang he's got to be did i pronounce that correctly a lot of people saying i'm pronouncing obomiang wrong Um, that was right that was it obomiang yeah um 
I wanted to look into whether he, he is a flat track bully. And this is interesting. So this is um, data for expected goal involvement um, against all opponents and expected goal involvement against non-top six teams. And the differences, and you can see there, out of all the captain candidates this week, Sterling, Rashford, Fernandes, Martial, Aubameyang and De Bruyne, Aubameyang with a difference of 16.6. So basically, his expected goal involvement against all teams is an involvement every 166 minutes. Against non-top six teams, it's 150 minutes. So he he is involved in more goals or expected to be involved in more goals against non-top six sides, um, more so than any other any other captain candidate this week. So he, he is a proven flat track bully. And you see his record here, 19 or 22 goals last season were scored mm. against non-top six teams um, and four or five assists. Um, so against West Ham, you know, he's a proven flat track bully. He's at home. He's a talisman. He's on penalties. All the things we've kind of talked about yeah. previously. It's very, very hard to deny him. Um Fernandez could do well. I mean, seven of eight goals against non-top six teams, six of eight assists. You know, he's there as well. Looks looks a very, very strong option. But it's like I said, we haven't seen United yet. Yeah. We have seen Arsenal and we saw Arsenal impress. We liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the other good thing about Ben, not just for the captaincy this week, but it's why moving him on after this week to get in potentially a, a City player. This kind of table can help with that decision because... If if Aubameyang is so good against the top six, but less effective against the better teams, which he is playing, um, you know, over over the, the run of games Arsenal have got isn't isn't that good. I mean, the Sheffield United I would have said was quite a tough game, yeah, unless they played like they did against against Wolves. Um, but yeah, it's that that to me kind of reinforces the fact that I'll probably be moving Aubameyang on um, after this match. But it also reinforces the captaincy. I, it's just. It all, every arrow points to Aubameyang this week. Yeah, I mean, right. there's going to be triple captains on him, I reckon. Well, Sivert's gone with him as well. He's the guy, as I said, who's very, very strong on his captains. He's the strongest last season. He went with... Uh, I love Aubameyang. that we've left that till now, just to like... And then yeah, like, no, he's, got, he's gone with him. And, and he's, <laughs> got, he has. he's got Fernandez in for Salah. That's what he said he's doing there. And it, it's interesting. De Bruyne, seven of his goals came against the non-top six. So he scored six goals against the top six teams, De Bruyne. Yeah. Whereas, yeah... You look at Aubameyang, only three of his goals last season came against top six. So the Aubameyang to De Bruyne transfer makes sense when you look at the fixtures yeah, that Arsenal have got. Yeah. And let's just have a look at some more stats that compound it even further. The XG for the teams and the open play, which is open play expected goals and open play expected <laughs> goals conceded. Look West Ham that. bottom, 1.5 expected goals conceded in game week one. Arsenal expected goals open play, 1.3. Eight, the second. If you believe highest. in stats in so, any capacity, this is your captain. Yeah, decided. There should be no other consideration. If you think, you know, if, it all just points to Bamiang, doesn't it? Yeah, and and, yeah. and why did we get him in? Um, yeah, and if we're not going to catch him against West Ham, because no. we got him in as a, obviously to hold the money for a City player, but we, obviously the plan was always to catch him against West Ham. So I think it's. I think it's risky to go against that. And, and you yeah. know, having got the captaincy right the first week, I'm keen not to take any risks the second week. And I've got United, so I've got to do it. Mm. But I think even if you did have United, I think it, it kind of just makes sense, doesn't it? Based on what I wonder what seen. his captaincy percentage is going to be this week because he was he was highest own captain, highest captain player last week, which I wasn't expecting. I thought that yeah. would be Salah. Yeah. It's going to be even more, even higher this week. Yeah. No, I mean, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, Granville's in the chat since he sold him. 
As he well, he's wild card, isn't he, Granville? I, I mean, yeah. he's, he's done his earliest wild card ever, I think. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm really interested to see his wild card because obviously we had some tussles on the on the scout cast before now, didn't we? So we'll see what he does. I mean, panic. You talked about panic setting in. It definitely did there, didn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think you know, in terms of of previous seasons and now, I think the wild cards this season is potentially better played because you've got the Man United and Man City players that you can bring in if you haven't had a plan from them. So people's strategies around, you know, targeting those players and moving their team around and things is, is great. The only trouble is, is I still think that Bamiyang is just so insanely good for a captaincy pick this week that I wouldn't be wanting to take him out until next week. And if I was taking out next week, then potentially I could use the money from that to do other things with my team. I think next week would be the week I'd, I'd be wildcarding personally. But I can see why people are doing it to target the United players, especially. Yeah, man, my tactic is to try and make the wildcard as close to game week 16 as possible because of the you know, potential impact, of, or the benefits of playing that afterwards are strong because of the way that the, the double game weeks and blanks could fall. Um, so I want to hold on to it. Um, so I'm taking a hit this week. And I think early hits are fine. We've said this before. Early hits to get, I mean, I'm getting players out, one who's probably injured and another who's probably never going to play for me um, because, yeah. you know, he's not in favour. We might be wrong. Vinagra might get back in, but it, he's always going to be a rotation risk if he does. So, yeah, for once, I don't have qualms about those transfers because I don't think we're going to see Pulisic fit for a few weeks. Yeah. And even if he plays, he's not, you know, he's not really on full pelt. I imagine. And so, I wanted to be I wanted to be aggressive with, yeah, with, you've got with to transfers be. at the start. I think you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy with the moves I'm making and that's all that matters, right? If it if it doesn't come off, I can't blame bad luck. I'm not going to moan about it. What it's about is just being happy with decisions. That's part of the process that we're going through is do enough research, observe enough, use the eye test, use the data to be happy with your decisions and I think in a few hours time I'm going to make my transfers and I'm going to be happy with them, but we'll see how happy I am. At the weekend, really? I was not expecting Grealish. Well, I thought, I thought I, Barnes. I thought you were, you were saying it. You, you thought Barnes looked, looked. Good. I do like Barnes, but I just worry that because he's going down in ownership already. I think he's like, you know, thirty percent on the on FBL statistics in terms of a drop. I worry that that will just accelerate if he doesn't do anything against Burnley. I think he will return against Burnley. He looked outstanding, but I, I. I just watched Grealish the other night, and he was brilliant. In the, I know it's Carabao Cup, and I know it, I think it's Burton, wasn't it? But I, um, I, he is, I've always he's, liked he's him a as very, a player. Very, he's a very, very good player. Yeah, you can say what you want about his style and and and, and everything and his off-field antics, but he is he is a very, very talented player. I mean, you know, for England as well. I mean, him kind of like just barely getting into the England squad does seem completely ridiculous to me. He should be. He should be, you know, in line to be starting in that team. Yeah, but this is a big season for him, players. right? He wants yeah. to get in that in that Euros squad. He wants to get in the team. He's just signed the contract. He's settled now, and the first two fixtures are good enough. I, I'm going to give him a go for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And like you like said, it. it's a it's a bit of a differential, and I think Dina will do it for me as well. So I'm happy with those moves, and I'll take the hit. And what is his ownership? We'll it's below. What's that? Really? Oh, higher, higher than I thought. Greenish is ten, thought. isn't he? Ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously every single Villa fan's got him for start. So, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't think his ownership in, in the, amongst the, some of the top managers is that high. No. But, you know, I think I'm taking a risk against them, but we'll see how it goes. So, uh, one hour, 41 minutes. Wow. We're never going to make the hour, are we? We're just never going to do it. <laughs> Thanks but, to everyone who's stuck for this long. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be back next week, looking back, the same kind of thing. We'll go into detail on the game week. We'll look at our 
I mean, any mistakes that we're making, we'll, we'll look at some of the other top managers as well and see what they do. What's late Weiser going to do? Is What's he going to do? How's he going to get knows. back into it? He could captain Fernandez. I've got a feeling he might do just to get himself back into it and mm. it might just pay off. I, I do fear Bruno. I mean, I've got to say, I, as I said, I'm going to be reading quite a Come few stories. Come on, Martial. I just really want Martial I, to deliver. I'm backing don't. him hard against Bruno. So I don't want to watch it. I know. I do, I do feel I'm making a mistake here, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go, I think. Okay, it's a good night for me. Good night, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.